0: Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. We in the Morgan family have always been into board games. We currently have a whole wall in our home that, with the a little bit of help from IKEA shelving, (laughs) is stacked to the ceiling with board games. We have all kinds of board games, from easy-to-learn games uh, that you can just sit down and, and have never played it before, but you can pick it up just in a matter of minutes, to really hard and complicated ones that have just all kinds of things going on. From two-player games, that you, that they're two-player only games, to games where, you know, everyone is playing together against the game. From ones that take about, oh, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes to play, to ones that can re- literally take all day to play. And all of these are fun. All of these Are are games that you can just have a great time with family and friends and learn something from. The board game industry has has exploded in recent years and has come a very long ways from the days of Monopoly and Sorry and Life. When when we get together as as a family for reunions or campouts or vacations, they're almost always is a game. There's almost not a time when we don't bring a stack of games. (laughs) In fact, recently on our recent trip to Alaska, we had about 10 games to choose from to play each night. And these games, of course, had We had to find a way to get them into our our luggage (laughs) And, and and sometimes that meant maybe something else didn't go but we we definitely wanted to make sure we had these games well my dad was not one for letting us kids win just for the sake of winning i mean there was definitely no participation trophies in the Morgan household. <laughs> we we, we were going to, if, if we were going to win, we had to uh, accomplish it ourselves. Our dad would give us hints and clues as to what we did wrong after the game was over. So, you know, we can improve each time that we played, but letting us win, well, that just was not in the cards, so to speak, another household rule that was well also just as firm was that you did not have to play a game but if you started a game you had to finish it it was conveyed over and over to us that it was just as important to be a good loser as it was to be a good winner and it it could be anything from physical sports to mental board games it was how you handled the winning and losing that showed your character you see i can i can remember a time when i was playing basketball at a young age and i can remember like the, it was like the final game and we ended up winning and there was there was a probably i would say the the, the best player really in the whole league he he was just absolutely distraught he was he literally was laying down on the on on the floor just bawling his eyes out because he'd lost and i can remember what my dad had to say it was a little bit surprising my dad had to say look at at what is happening over there and and know that you don't want to do that you don't want to be that and he wasn't talking about the fact that he'd lost what he was talking about was the fact that he how he was handling his loss you see we were not to flaunt and gloat when we won but we also were not to get too down and distraught when we lost sports music and board games were a way of of learning things about life that you could never learn from just reading a book. And I'm not putting books down. I'm just saying that there are certain things that you learn from life and you learn from these these experiences that you just can't read from somebody else telling you that. Things like grit, teamwork, mental toughness, control over emotions, self-control. How about sportsmanship? Selflessness. Reward for hard work, and and a, and a host of other learned traits that are considered white privilege now. <laughs> so these these are things that we aren't born with. These are things that we learn. We learn over time, and we become we become productive adults after we have learned. Let's say a work ethic. I can remember a time when I was working in a in a field on a, on a farm, on a berry farm. And I can remember the farmer talking to me and saying, you know, you may not want to do some of this, but you know what? It, it is a learned skill to have a work ethic, to do something you don't necessarily want to do. I, uh, I have a, a young daughter right now who's four years old. And my daughter will often say when I say hey you need to go clean up your room or whatever the case may be you need to pick up the toys over here or or you know you need to put that down come inside from playing it's time to eat dinner whatever the case may be and oftentimes she will say but I don't want to do that <laughs> I don't want to do that and and of course I have to tell her at the time well it doesn't matter what you want to do. You're going to need to do it anyway. Or you may say, you know what? You need to eat your green beans or whatever. And and she'll say, but I don't like them. (laughs) And you say, but you know what? Sometimes we have to have this conversation quite often where I say, sometimes we do things we don't want to do because it's the right thing to do. And we have to understand that. We have to learn that because our natural nature, the way that we are created by God, we, we have a selfish nature. He gave us a free will. And so with that free will comes selfishness oftentimes. And we have to learn how to get past that. We have to learn how how to mentally even get past that selfishness that that drives so much of what we do. Now, these traits that I'm talking about, these these mental toughness, uh, the control over emotion, self-control, all, all these kind of things. These traits were on display most they're, they're on display most when when we go through these hard times or even discouraging times. A friend asked me to to come over and play one of his favorite board games one time. I'd never played this game before and and even though it was a longer game, it was about 2 or 3 hours long. Which again, I have no problem. I I I like all games. I like the short, long. I, I I love board games. But he asked me to come over and play this one. I'd never played it before. It's about two or three hours long, and I was excited to play a new game. I love playing new games. And we we came over the next evening, and he and his wife had, had laid out some snacks, and and the board game was all already set up and everything there, and and it was kind of nice. And and after exploring, uh, after he explained the the rules to us, we started to play. Uh, it it was an interesting start, but after uh, a little bit, something happened. There was an there was an event in the game that made it so that I I really did not have a chance of winning the game, and I knew it. Many games have uh, what we call a catch up mechanism, a catch up mechanism to help those that are are not winning get back into the game. So, you don't have this effect where you just know that you're just going to be playing the game with no chance of winning. This game did not have that, and I had no way of ca- uh, of catching those players in the lead. I looked at the time and realized that there was still a couple hours to play. This happened pretty early in the game. And I would simply have to go through the motions of gameplay, knowing all of this, knowing I had no chance of winning, that no matter what decision I made, there was no chance I I could win. Did I give up and say, you guys continue, I'm out? (laughs) No, I continued on just like normal, not complaining or making things miserable or ruining the the, the night for others or the ones that were uh, leading or had a chance to win. I lived by the Morgan board game rule <laughs> that was never give up or quit a game after you've started. So it is with this mentality that I view what happened at the Olympics the other day. I, I love competition. And every two years when, when the Olympics come around, I tend to watch uh, way too much uh, coverage of the Olympics. <laughs> uh, this year, as I stated before, we we took uh, our mother for her 80th birthday to Alaska uh, for a week-long vacation, and we packed it full of activities. <laughs> we did all kinds of stuff and did not have a whole lot of time to watch even the highlights of the Olympics. Uh, one thing that did come to our attention was uh, American Olympian Simone Biles withdrawing from the team competition. It was with disappointment that I saw that she withdrew leaving her t- teammates scrambling to recover. And I had seen an, uh, an article before we left about how she was, you know, not expected to participate in the Olympics and then she decided to come back for, you know, a, a, another year, um, another Olympics. And, and I was surprised by the, the reason she gave for withdrawing mental health. It did not make much sense to me. How, how could a highly decorated athlete like, like Biles quit, you know, over mental health reasons? It almost seemed like this was a setup. I mean, creating a platform for her now that her career is over. Many athletes struggle with what to do after they can't participate in their chosen discipline any longer, and Biles was becoming even more famous than before and had a, a platform to make a lot of money, in 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 all reality, but most people were not seeing it that way. Most people were heaping so much praise on her for walking out on her team, those that 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 had sacrificed so much to be there themselves, and even. Even those that didn't even make the Olympic team, because and and she she took that spot. I, for instance, NBC News, Lauren Leader said this: Superstar gymnast Simone Biles showed women everywhere what real courage looks like in deciding to step away from Olympic competition. Biles set aside the crushing expectations of globally hyped media attention and prioritized her own well-being. Hers was a radical feminist act that will have far-reaching consequences and impact for years to come. The culture of women's gymnastics has been abusive for decades, she continues. The pressure on countless young girls to perform a Physically punishing sport at extraordinarily high levels of competition as young children and preteens, the restrictive regiments that that stunted the growth and sexual health of so many, and and the relentless push to win no matter what is a dark truth of the sport. Now I got I to stop for a second and say, of course, Biles' withdrawal has nothing to do with this so you know if this kind of stuff still goes on it has nothing to do with this so to bring that up is just kind of a straw man but i continue it says she says many of the world's most decorated gymnasts sacrificed their long-term health their physical and mental for gold Carrie Struggs, and she's going to give an example here. Carrie Struggs' gym, uh, gymnastics career was ended at 18 when she was pushed by coach Bella uh, Caroli to perform a vault on a broken ankle at the Olympics in, in 1996 in order to bring U.S. the gold. Now, I think maybe many, many of you probably remember that, um, where she, she was on the vault and she... Uh, she vaulted and 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 stuck the landing, even though she had that ankle, um, and it was held up as as really like she was a hero, um, and many now are saying that she wasn't. Uh, her her self sacrifice is emblematic of the win at all cost culture that Biles rejected in Tokyo. Leader says, not surprisingly, Strug tweeted her support for Biles not long after the news of her withdrawal became public. It's important to note, of course, that just a few weeks before the Olympics, it was tennis uh, superstar Naomi Osaka who brought global attention to the importance of mental health by withdrawing from Wimbledon to preserve her own mental well-being. She endured... Withering criticism from an array of critics as a result, but never back down. Emerging powerful and refreshed at the Olympics to light the torch at the opening ceremonies. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that she really needed that that, that power and refreshed uh, well being to light a torch. All right, I continue and both these powerful young women of color are showing their critics and the world is that rejecting the limiting, often sexist expectations of others in favor of pre- preserving oneself has enormous power. They are brave enough and strong enough to believe in themselves, to be true to who they are, and to refuse the crushing, unrealistic expectations That they be ever outstanding, ever perfect, always smiling, and beautiful to boot. To be a top athlete of their caliber, especially a woman of color, is to carry the weight of the world. At the Olympics, the world's biggest stage, Simone Biles, was strong enough, brave enough, and feminist enough to say no more. Thou shalt not pass. (laughs) She concludes with this. She says, no woman, no matter who she is, should be expected to sacrifice everything to meet the impossible expectations of others. Women have always been asked by society to put themselves second at work, at home, in relationships and beyond. We have been told in subtle and not so subtle ways that we matter less. What Biles did was to reject it all. The pressure, the expectations, and the culture that sets up impossible standards for women in every field and discipline, it was exceptionally brave. It was exceptionally feminist. It was exceptionally powerful, and a gift to women and girls the world over. And for that, we owe her thanks. So, so, so let me get this straight here. Let me get this straight. We are powerful and role models if we're selfish, right? Of course, that's not what Jesus did. If Jesus was selfish, he would have called down the angels to prevent him from dying on that cross. But no, he sacrificed himself for us. The Bible says that we are to die to self and become one with our spouse, not think about ourselves first. So, so when I saw this article by Matt, Matt uh, Walsh of the Daily Wire, it really resonated with me. And let me let me see what uh, show you what what he had to say. It says, "From the way that Olympic gymnast Simone Biles is being praised this week, you might think." That the decorated superstar put on a heroic display during the team competition in Tokyo and led her squad to a gold medal. Prominent politicians um, like Cori Bush have made public statements applauding her. The, The White House press secretary expressed gratitude and support. Deadspin gushed over the most impressive move of her career. Former politicians joined the group uh, with a group hug. (laughs) Articles have been written extolling her uh, bravery and declaring that her achievements this week have sent powerful messages to the world. CNN called her performance impactful. She has been hailed for her strength and for setting an amazing example and being a great athlete and role model. Women's advocacy groups have thanked her, as you you just heard. It was all perhaps the most effusive praise that has ever been heaped on a quitter. That is what Simone Biles did to earn this exuberant applause. She gave up. After struggling in the qualifying rounds and botching her first event in the women's team finals, Biles decided to withdraw from the meet. The best gymnast on the squad, one of the most celebrated U.S. Olympic athletes of all time, chose to abandon her teammates in the middle of the finals. Her teammates would finish second behind Russia, while Biles went on to receive even more acclaim than a gold medal would have earned her. There was some talk early on uh, suggesting that Biles had been physically injured, maybe. But that was not the case. Biles has since explained that she left the competition in order to focus on her mental health and her mindfulness. She complained that the Olympics haven't been fun this year. This, uh, this Olympic Games uh, is, is what she said. Quote, this Olympic Games, I wanted it to be for myself when I came in. And I felt like I was still doing it for other people, unquote, is what she said. Returning to this theme later, she said that it's important to, quote, put mental health first, because you, you, you don't then, um, you're not going to enjoy your sport. She complained about the pressure that she's under. And on one hand, there's nothing terribly surprising about the reasons she she gives for quitting, is what Matt says here. He says people quit things all the time, and they almost always do it because the thing they are quitting is too difficult and not very fun. This is the universal rationale of all quitters everywhere, for all time. In this case, there is no doubt that the difficult thing was very difficult indeed. The pressure she experiences as a world famous athlete on a global st- stage must be quite burdensome on both an, uh, uh, the, the emotions and and, and on, a, on a physical level. This is what makes quitting understandable, but the one thing it cannot be is admirable. If Simone Biles had bailed on her team and uh, and apologize after the fact, and the, and the public had reacted uh, appropriately to the news, then there wouldn't be much else to say on the matter. It is hard to com- compete in the Olympics. It's hard to live under the high expectations. Lots of people quit when things are hard. We all have one time or another. That is why when someone quits, we normally shake our heads and say, eh, you know, that's a shame. And then we move on with our lives. Nobody is suggesting that you know, athletes who quit ought to be tarred and feathered in the street. It is enough to be disappointed and be done with it. Well, the problem is that now we are exhort, exhort, that we are exhorted not simply to understand why someone quits, but to actually applaud them for doing so. What makes the Sabone, uh, Simone Biles story troubling is not that the women's gymnastic team had to settle for a silver medal, but that our cultural powers that that be want us to celebrate cowardness. As always, it is not enough to merely tolerate another person's decision or be compassionate toward their struggles. We are meant now to rise to our feet and joyously cheer what all people throughout history and most people living in the world today would consider shameful and unfortunate. It is one thing to say, Simone Biles quit, but let's have some empathy. And it's quite another to say, Simone Biles quit. Isn't that so brave? No, no, it is not brave. It may be human, it may be, you know, relatable, but it is the opposite of brave. To be brave is to refuse to quit precisely when most people would. That is why we admire people who persevere, because they are rare. Quitters are a dime a dozen. Cowardness is is in, short, is in no short supply in our world. And it will become even more common now that we have rebranded it as courage. Indeed, if we will grant to cowards the the rewards of courage without the effort or sacrifice, why, why bother with courage at all? The many defenders of Simone Biles have said that she is right, a role model in fact, for prioritizing her mental health above all else. In the era of the psychological man, when there is nothing more important than the self's opinion of itself. It is perhaps no surprise that we congratulate a woman for explicitly putting herself before her team and her country. And yet, still, one wonders how consistently the the new moral code would be applied. Would Tom Brady receive such a worshipful reaction if he left the third quarter of the playoff game Because he wasn't having fun and needed to work on his mindfulness. Such a thing is almost unthinkable because it has never happened and probably never would. But there has been cases of sulking professional athletes leaving the field and the court uh, a few seconds early because they were frustrated and sad during a bad loss. We've we've seen this move by LeBron James, for example, perhaps the greatest sulker of, of all sports. There are usually a few people willing to defend this kind of behavior from male athletes, but they've never been celebrated like a returning war hero, the way Simone Biles has been and Naomi Osaka before her. Perhaps we will get there one day, though. Maybe we are fast approaching a time when the greatest athletes will be those who manage to feel the best about themselves while competing. At that point, we will not need them to perform any athletic feats at all. They can simply stand in a circle and whisper sweet nothings to themselves. Everyone wins in the end, and it may not make for much of a spectator sport, but at least we will know that nobody's mental health has been damaged. (laughs) You may agree and you may disagree with, with all of this. I would definitely love to hear from you. And you can do that, of course, at Uncommon Sense Podcast. Dot .com Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Organite Communications.